So the Fast Company Innovation Festival is coming up. It's in New York City, October 22nd to 26th, and it is the most amazing, fun, exciting, exhausting, slash productive week that we host all year. Yeah, there's a lot of amazing guests. You'll actually learn directly from the business leaders. It's kind of like what I like to think of as all the magazine, all the website on steroids live. And actually, this week's guest, Art Markman, did a workshop at last year's festival that was so much fun and so interesting. He got everybody thinking about how to get unstuck and be more productive. It was really cool. If you want to join this year's festival, you can go to fastcompany.com slash festival and use the promo code FCMOSTPRODUCTIVE for 30% off your ticket. We love all our listeners and we want you to experience as much of Fast Company as possible. Once again, that's fastcompany.com slash festival and sign up using the code FCMOSTPRODUCTIVE. Hope to see you there. Okay, so here's something that I've realized. At any given time, I know that I have about three different browsers open, each with about 10 different tabs in them. How about you? How many tabs do you have open right now on your computer? Right now, two browsers, five different tabs. Wow. I'd say that's an average day for me, but when I do have a lot going on, it's more of a two browser, 12 tab <laughs> situation. Two browser, 27 tabs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So why do you ask? I don't know. I think that the fact that we all have several browsers and tons and tons of tabs open at once is kind of the perfect example of how many of us work. Fragmented, jumping back and forth between many different things at one time. In fact, I'm willing to bet that most of us spend our entire day multitasking. Oh, totally. I mean, I try and be disciplined about setting aside time for deep work, but I still have trouble ignoring Slack or email pings or, you know, accidentally wasting 10 to 15 minutes on Twitter. I know it's something I shouldn't do, and unlike a lot of overly optimistic people, I know that it's something I'm bad at, and it makes me less productive. But I think it's just one of those habits that has become so ingrained in our screen and internet-centric work life. I think that's it. I think that, like our brains are now almost wired for it. I can't be working on something, and like I have another like thought, oh, I should look that up, or oh, i got to remember to do that later, so then I tab to my calendar and put it in, or oh, I go look it up, and then I'm like going down an internet rabbit hole of like 18 different things. And I think it's how, like I said, like how most of us spend our day multitasking. The thing is, I think a lot of us think we do a pretty decent job at it, but when you're toggling back and forth between four and five and and six different things, it's so easy to get distracted, and it takes each thing so much longer to get through. Yeah, definitely. Welcome to Secrets of the Most Productive People, a productivity podcast where we try and figure out how to work smarter instead of harder and dissect exactly how to get it all done. I'm Fast Company's editorial assistant, Anissa purbasari Horton, And I'm Fast Company senior editor, Kate Davis. This week, we'll answer the question, is it really possible to multitask? Okay, so we've established that we all multitask, but are there sometimes when it's okay? I really think it depends on what you're doing. If it's something that requires real concentration, like writing a story or editing or reading something complicated, then it's probably not a good idea to be trying to do other things at the same time because you just won't get it done or you won't make any headway, right? But I feel like if it's something mindless, like scrolling on social media while you're eating, then it shouldn't be that big of a deal, right? 
Maybe. So I certainly have to shut out distractions when I need to do deep work, like editing a feature. You have to focus, right? Mm -hmm. But even with smaller tasks, there's a lot of research that says that our brains can't handle multitasking. We did an experiment um, with this in our office a few years ago where we had several staffers who all categorized themselves as good multitaskers. And we had them try to put together a 50-piece like children's puzzle while answering five simple one-line emails. And none of them did a very good job. They got so flustered. They couldn't. It was a disaster. And these are very, like, simple, mindless tasks, right? Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, I've taken far too long to write simple emails, like literally one line or, like, even just, yes, that sounds good. Because (laughs) I was trying to watch a video or read something at the same time. And then 10 minutes later, I'm like, wait, why haven't I not sent that simple email that should take me, like, two seconds to send? And we've talked before about how it takes on average 15 minutes or more to get back on track when you Mm -hmm. are multitasking or trying to do two or three different things at the same time. So obviously it makes sense that when you try and do five or six different tasks at once, it'll take you much longer to get things done. It's like completely personified in the in the person walking down the street on their phone that like runs into things like, oh, you would think looking at scrolling mindlessly on your phone and walking. It's like walking and chewing gum. Like, no, you can't, you actually can't do them both at the same time. The other common criticism of multitasking is that when you try to do more than one thing at a time, you end up making more mistakes. Mm-hmm. Right. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, there was even a study that showed that multitasking lowers your IQ as much as missing a night's sleep, which we've talked about before. That's kind of like being drunk, you know, like all of these things, you know, lower your IQ that much. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we've all heard, but it's still a pretty scary thing to think about because I know my multitasking tendencies tend to get worse when I haven't had a good night's sleep. It's when I just find that I can't focus on one thing at a time. I'm switching between tasks because I'm trying to be, I don't know, I find that I can't be productive on one. So I'm like, maybe if I do this one, I'll be more productive. And then it just all goes into a mess. Or you go for that like low bar gratification of uh-huh. checking email or... Yeah, yeah and yeah. you go back to that because something like writing a story or editing just seems like too, you know, insurmountable. Too, too you have to focus, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I feel like what you, you know, when we talked about needing to focus where a task requires concentration like writing or reading is related to the solution that many productivity experts recommend, which is monotasking. And that's exactly what it sounds like, doing one thing at a time before you move on to the next task. It sounds so simple and so obvious, but I will say that it's scary how often I realize I don't do it. And when I do do it, I get so much more done. Well, and the thing is, it's so hard because our brains, like I said, I think are kind of wired to to wanting to like flip channels, mm-hmm. you know, so much. And in our coverage of monotasking, we actually tried out a version of that that was related to what I mentioned earlier about having hundreds of browser tabs open. We did a challenge that we called Tabless Thursday, where you have to close all of your browser tabs and just work in one at a time. The staff who tried it hated it and found it to be a completely inefficient way to work. She would be working in like one program, then she's like, oh, I need to look something up. I have to close that tab up and open a different one and only focus on this and not flip back and forth and back and forth. So it was kind of a nightmare. That's kind of almost multitasking in itself because sometimes (laughs) you do need two different documents when you're referring to something. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I know that if I'm writing something and I don't remember exactly the information in the document that I'm referring to. It's just impossible to read it, memorize it, and then go back to it. And then especially when you have remote colleagues like we do, and you're sharing documents via a platform like Google Drive, like, it's impossible to work with one tab. 
So it does feel like we're in a double bind a little bit because the nature of most of our jobs requires that we can switch quickly and look things up or respond right away to instant messages. But then if we do try to do those things, we feel distracted, scattered, and we just can't get anything done. So what are we left to do? To help us figure it out, we're going to talk to Art Markman. He's a longtime Fast Company contributor and professor of psychology and marketing at the University of Texas at Austin. Art is also the author of several books, including most recently Brain Briefs, which he co-authored with Bob Duke. Bob is also his co-host for his podcast, Two Guys on Your Head, which focuses on how you can use the science of motivation to change your behavior at work and home. Hello. Hi, Art. It's Kate. Hello. Hey, Kate. How you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks for calling us. This is exciting. Oh, yes, yeah, great. You're you're now in every form on on Fast Company. You're on the podcast. You're in the articles. You're at the festival. Doing my best. Yes. To represent. <laughs> I love Multi-platform. it. Multi-platform. <laughs> I'll, I'll try not to multitask while I'm doing this. <laughs> so first of all, you are one of the most productive people I have ever known. You teach. You write regularly for several publications. You write books. You host a podcast. You play in a band. Do you multitask to get all of that done? No. Wow. Absolutely not. No. No, no, no. Doesn't work at all. No, I mean, you know, obviously all of us who have lots of things to do will have to shift back and forth among tasks, right? I mean, we've got emails coming in. We've got phone calls. We've got meetings. And so we don't want to confuse doing a lot of different things with multitasking, which is really trying to do all of them in the same space of time. So do you think that there are certain tasks that are okay to do together? Well, what we know from psychology is two things. First, we've been studying multitasking under the heading of what's called dual task performance, which is your fancy way of saying doing two things at once, for about six decades now. And what we know is do two things you've never done before at the same time, you get worse at both of them. Mm. The exception to the get worse at both of them is if one of them is something that's a habit, you can do that thing with something else. So, for example, most of us who've learned to touch type have become automatic at being able to associate the letters with our finger movements. And so we can type and think or write at the same time because one of those things is a habit or I play the saxophone. So I have certain certain habits related to playing scales and things like that that allow me to then think about what I want to play at the same time that I'm playing certain things because one of them is a habit. That works, but otherwise you do two things at the same time, you get worse at both. So we were talking earlier about how some people like claim they're better at multitasking than others, like I'm a really good multitasker. Is it true that some people are are better than others at doing two things at once, even like you said, like two things that they don't, they haven't done regularly? There is some data to suggest that there are some people who are less strongly affected by trying to do two things at the same time than others. Um, maybe 10% of people are relatively unaffected by multitasking. So that means two things. One, that there's a 90% chance you're not one of those people. <laughs> but the second is that the, there's evidence suggesting that the areas of your brain, in particular, in particular the frontal lobes of the brain, that are responsible for what's called task switching, which is switching back and forth between the things you're doing, those are the same brain regions we use to monitor our performance in tasks. 
what that means is that when you're heavily involved in multitasking, you are soaking up the brain resources you'd need to know whether you were good at it or not. <laughs> so you like, by default think you're good at it because your brain is so busy doing it? Exactly. You wow. are your own worst judge of multi of how good you are at multitasking. So you need a third party, an independent person who will sit there and determine whether you're good at it. This is why people think, oh, I'm, I have no problem texting and driving because mm -hmm. they don't they don't hear. They don't even hear that the people honking at them, you know, or notice that they veered off into another lane mm -hmm. because they're so busy doing the various things they're doing. Yeah. So basically, don't believe your own experience. <laughs> That's so interesting that you bring up texting and driving because I was I was listening to something that was talking about how the campaign to get people to stop texting and driving is not been as successful as the anti-drunk driving campaign because it was easier to convince people you're drunk and that impairs your driving, but everybody thinks they're good at multitasking, thinks they're good yeah. at texting and driving. Yeah. Until something bad happens to them, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's other drivers. People rationalize it with like, oh, other people are bad at it, but I'm really good yeah. at it. Yeah. Ugh, that's horrible. But what we need to do to convince people that they're bad at texting and driving is is to have everybody watch a half-hour television show and text all the way through it, hmm. <laughs> then get them to try and recall what they saw. Yeah. And then realize, A, they're wrong on a bunch of stuff, and B, they missed like half of it. As a, as a demonstration of exactly how bad they are in a way that, that wouldn't hurt anybody else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Why do you think so many of us struggle with, you know, doing one thing at a time? Because I feel like most of us know that that's how we should work and that's how we should do things. Yeah. Well, human beings are masterful at, at not doing the optimal thing. I mean, <laughs> look, at, look at the number of magazines that have articles about weight loss. And it's not like the formula for weight loss is a closely guarded secret. <laughs> yeah. Right. But we still don't do the things that we need to do to maintain a healthy weight in general. So, you know, it shouldn't be surprising that people are doing things that aren't optimal. And of course, there's a lot of pressure in the modern workplace to do many things at once. We have phone messages coming in all the time, text messages. We have emails that arrive every several minutes. And so there's a lot of pressure to be checking a variety of different things while we still have tasks that we need to perform that require extended effort. There clearly are a lot of pressures that would cause us to want to start doing several things at the same time. What we have to recognize is that it impairs our performance at all of them to do that. Cut off a 20-minute or half-hour block of time to really work on something and then move on to the next task rather than trying to interleave all of those things. So that feeds exactly into what I was going to ask. Since you are so productive and you do so many different things, I mean, is that how you work? You cut off, you know, 20 minutes and just focus on, on something? And, and what advice do you have to people who struggle with being able to do that and stay focused on one thing for even 10 minutes at a time? Yeah. No, I, I certainly try to do that. And of course, one of the things you have to do is to protect yourself from yourself. Right. So again, let's let's make the the parallel between multitasking and things like eating. You know, I, I had a love affair with a single serving carton of ice cream right? Well, <laughs> container. Um, and that wasn't particularly good for my weight. But but I made the remarkable discovery that I love love to share with people, which is that you can't eat an ice cream that's not in your freezer. And I think you need to do the same thing when it comes to multitasking. So shut your email off for a while. 
turn your phone off. Get rid of the notifications that new messages have come in to give yourself at least a fighting chance of being able to do one thing at a time. And again, it doesn't mean spend the whole morning on a project. Cut off 20 minutes or a half hour and and work on one thing and build your way up to it. If you're used to multitasking in, in the sense of having your brain interrupt you to check your email, your texts or something every 10 minutes, try and go 15 minutes and then gradually increase that to, to where you have a half hour or 40 minutes where you're doing a single thing. Because without that, you're just going to be inefficient and, and your whole day is going to feel incredibly busy without you believing at the end of the day that you got a lot done. Yes, I've Story definitely of yes, exactly. It's like that's almost every day. Yeah. I've found a couple of little tricks that work for me and I wonder if you have other little tricks. Like one of the tricks is setting a timer and mm-hmm. and working only, you know, for that 20 minutes or whatever and not allowing myself to do anything until the timer goes off. Microsoft Word has a focus feature, a little like button that blacks out the rest of your screen so you can only see the Word document. That's helped me too. Do you have any other little like small exercises that people can do to kind of strengthen that monotasking muscle? You know, I, I believe in creating zones in which you minimize the amount of technology you have available. The Microsoft Word feature is just one version of that. You know, park your cell phone far away from you so that you're not tempted to to stare at that screen every once in a while. If you're wearing a smart watch, take it off uh, or, or flip it around so you can't see notifications that are coming into you all the time. One of the things that you can do that's really helpful is if you can create a secondary workspace, your, you know, your focus space where it's just you and whatever tool you're using to get your work done. So it's just you and the laptop. And the only thing that's open is the document so that you are really in a bubble for that period of time. And the the advantage of having a secondary workspace for that is that now that workspace isn't associated with all of the other things that take you away from your work, like the the phone and, and the text messages and colleagues who interrupt and things like that. That's really smart. That kind of ties into what we had a previous episode about working in an open office. Hmm. And we were talking about how some people go like to a different part of the office to do deep work to focus. And it's probably exactly that, the not associating it with focus and not getting distracted. Right, because your brain is constantly trying to predict what it's supposed to do in a situation. So when you're in the environment in which you're constantly interrupted, your brain is going, I should be interrupted any moment now. And so it's it's looking for that. Now we just have to convince every office to... Create secondary yeah, spaces secondary. for all their employees to everybody. be able to do deep yeah. work. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, the open office space turns out to be uh, less efficient than you thought because you, you now need to have two desks for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I feel like it's one of those things that we all kind of know how we should be doing. It is, like weight loss, you know, yeah. Yeah, the the creating zones for single tasking just makes the most sense to me. Now I just have to go and do it. <laughs> Is there anything that you'd add about multitasking that we didn't cover in this conversation? Yeah. One is sometimes people ask me, well, if I go to a meeting and I take notes, is that multitasking? No. And and, and right. There <laughs> it you is go. not. No, it's not. But people worry, right? Yeah. So it's because you get paranoid. Like, is everything multitasking? So taking notes is good by hand. Don't do it on your computer. Yeah. There, hasn't there been studies that when you write something by hand, you you retain it more than typing? 
Yeah, and, and the big reason for that is most of us type fast enough to be able to take a transcript of what people are saying. And mm. so we focus on the surface of the words that they're saying and not the yeah. meaning. Whereas when you take notes by hand, you actually have to process the meaning. So, so taking notes, that's great. And then one other added bonus here for people who are in that open office environment. So people will sometimes play noise or music or something while they're, while they're working. And the question I get a lot around multitasking is, is music bad? And the answer to that one, this is fun. This is my favorite psychology answer. It depends. <laughs> is it lyrics? Is that the, the issue? <laughs> well, it's a couple of things, partly lyrics. So having words that you're paying attention to is bad for anything where you're doing something verbal. So think about this. Imagine that, that I made you try to write something, and at the same time, I just made you repeat za, 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 za over and over. It would be in, within the sentence that I'm writing, yeah. Right, it, because you, you now are soaking up all of this, this what's called working memory that's associated with language. So the, the words that are in the music can interfere there. Um, even music without words, though, a lot of it depends on how your attentional style is. So we all know some people who are laser focused on whatever they're doing at any given moment and other people who are distracted by a cricket chirping three blocks away. If you're the sort of person who stays laser focused on stuff, then music will attract your attention away from whatever you're doing. And so then you, you end up multitasking by shifting back and forth between the music and what you're supposed to be doing. But if, you're, if you have that more diffuse attentional style, then the music will actually cover over a lot of the unpredictable noises in your environment that might otherwise distract you. So, so music can be good for some people in that open office environment. Otherwise, white noise or something, if you're, if you're in that kind of environment, that will cover over the, the phone conversations and other things going, but won't actually draw your attention to something interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I've sense. never thought about music and multitasking. But that makes so much sense. I guess it. I mean, you're doing two different things. You're yeah. listening to music and also doing something. Yeah. With like 27 browsers open. <laughs> exactly. So now you're, you know, it's super multitasking. Yeah. 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 Great art. Thank you so much. Go focus on the next one of your multi-hyphenate things that you're doing. <laughs> um, it's so great talking to you. Thank you. Yeah. Likewise, it's a lot of fun. The, the texting while driving and the needing a third party to tell you whether or not you're good at it makes so much sense. I know. I mean, I'm pretty sure that for most people, the answer will be a no anyway. Because yeah, it's 10% of people, so 90, you have a 90% chance that you yeah. are bad at multitasking. But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting when he talks about music, because before when we thought about multitasking, I've always thought about it on a strictly work sense. So of like, like the tasks that you're doing. But yeah, yeah. What's yeah. going on and what you're listening to is, is something too. Yeah. yeah, like I'd never thought about running or listening to a podcast as multitasking. But apparently that is. Yeah. It's also interesting to think about like what's a habit and what's something you actually have to focus. Because I feel like that's another thing that we probably don't always make the best Mm -hmm. judgment on because we probably overestimate our abilities. (laughs) But the second, I mean, the second workspace obviously sounds ideal, but Mm -hmm. I think it makes sense in the what your brain associates with it. Like Art was saying, if your brain associates your desk with multitasking and being distracted, then you need to put your brain in a different location that that associates that location with focusing. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard that that kind of logic is why you should never work from bed or your bedroom. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Although yeah. I've been guilty of doing that sometimes. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's because your brain associates that with relaxing and so you're just not as focused. And that's interesting because that's something I've never thought of either. Yeah. 
Well, I like the. I mean, it's it's doable, right? What he said, like ten minutes or yeah. or or fifteen minutes or stretching or whatever, and not feeling like it's just like Herculean. Like I need to always monotask and just work on a project for eight hours straight. Like I think we can all monotask for ten minutes, right? Yeah, <laughs> we'll Hopefully. see. Hopefully. <laughs> I mean, it's like with anything, right? When you're doing a big thing, like if you've never run in your life, you're obviously not going to run a marathon. You're yeah. have to wait. Yeah, don't focus for eight hours. Just exactly. try 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah, I think 10 minutes is doable. Yes. Okay, we'll try to monotask for 10 minutes. Hopefully all of you will try 10 or 15 minutes of monotasking too. And then maybe tomorrow I'll do 11 minutes. And then before <laughs> yes. I know it, it will be eight hours eventually. Yes. We can all hope. And that's it for this week's episode of Secrets of the Most Productive People. Do you think you can multitask effectively? Have you tried monotasking and noticed an improvement? Let us know using the hashtag FCMostProductive. Join us in two weeks when we'll be talking about how to design your workday to be the most productive. In the meantime, for more productivity tips, sign up for our productivity newsletter, WorkSmart. Sign-up links are available on the show notes below. You can also find links to more articles on multitasking and all of Fast Company's social handles in the show notes below. And don't forget to listen to our other podcast, Creative Conversation. Case's voice is like butter. Oh, <laughs> good. His voice is like butter. He does have a very, like, Yeah, it's a very voice. good voice yeah. for radio. Secrets of the Most Productive People is produced by Shannon Burner. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye.